Welcome to Issue 6 of The Two-Butt Rule. What's hiding in your butt? Here's a way to not apply the two-butt rule. Your colleague says, let's go left, and you say, but I don't want to go left, but we could go right instead. This doesn't help with momentum thinking, though it is useful in a way. The first but doesn't tell your colleague much, just that you're opposed to going left. The second but, at least, reveals your own intention. Now you both know that you aim to go in opposite directions. There's some utility in that. You've achieved awareness and transparency. You had a secret intention hiding in your butt that the second butt revealed. Good for you. And yet, using your butt this way too often will reduce the practice to a sterile technique. Wordplay without impact. It won't help you solve problems, establish rapport, and build innovative momentum. It's important that you seek to find some way to advance the intentions of the person whose idea you're butting in on. Even a silly or fuzzy second butt that reflects the original idea can let the person whose idea it was know that they were heard. Try this. But we could go right and left together at the same time if we grew really long legs, locked arms, and took a huge step left and then a huge step right. Will that get you somewhere? Maybe not. But it shows that you're committed to doing whatever you're going to do together. On the other hand, a second but that doesn't reflect the original intent will reveal that you weren't listening or didn't care enough to show that you were. After too much of this, the positivity police will take charge again and enforce a no-but policy on the team, killing momentum in the process. Okay, so this all sounds great in theory, maybe. But how can this possibly work with real people in real situations? Here's a true story of a team applying the two-but rule the right way when they literally encountered a fork in the river. Part 2. Lewis and Clark's Historic Butts On June 3, 1805, the Lewis and Clark expedition, which had been commissioned by Thomas Jefferson to find a water passage across North America to the Pacific Ocean, ran into a problem. They'd come to the junction of two large rivers, one feeding into the Missouri from the north and one from the south. Their orders were to explore the Missouri to its headwaters, and Native American guides had given them good directions on how to get there until now. They had no information on this fork, and they couldn't readily determine what was the continuation of the Missouri, north or south. The team then made observations to determine which fork would take them to the headwaters and into the Rocky Mountains. Nearly everyone believed that the correct course was to the north, but Lewis and Clark believed that the south fork was the right one. They were in charge, so they could have simply said, well, you all want to go north, but we don't think that's right, but we could go south. Instead, they sent two scouting parties up each fork about 10 miles. They returned with no conclusive observations to suggest which was the right choice. Then the captains led two parties further up each fork, with Lewis covering about 60 miles and returning two days later than he had been planning. Still, no conclusive evidence. Except that now, even their most expert waterman, Private Cruzate, was convinced that the North Fork was the Missouri. At this point, the captains made the decision to go against the advice of the crew and take the South Fork. But, even here, they made preparations that would minimize the time lost if they were wrong. Lewis wrote in his journal on June 9th, before heading south, 
In the evening, Cruzate gave us some music on violin, and the men passed the evening in dancing and singing, and were extremely cheerful. In the end, the South Fork was the right choice. So to recap, on June 3rd, the team wanted to go north, but the captains wanted to go south. But they chose to scout ahead a short way. When they returned, they had the same set of butts and repeated the process, choosing longer scouting missions. By the way, this led to Lewis discovering two birds previously unknown to science, which nicely illustrates the unexpected fruits of the two-butt rule. Finally, even after choosing the South Fork, they effectively said, but if we're wrong, we'll send a fast team overland and shorten the time needed to double back, if necessary. It's an extraordinary example of leadership and teamwork. The captains went against the choice of nearly the entire crew, including their expert on the subject. But, because they showed that they were listening and taking actions to collect the best information they could, and because of well-earned trust and camaraderie that had already been established in the team, the crew didn't resort to grudging compliance. Apparently, they had a party instead. In moments like this, the key to putting the right fork in your team's butt is to focus on the long game. Everyone in the expedition had the same goal, make it to the Pacific. It was a unified view that was bigger than simply choosing north or south. Intentions matter in maintaining momentum. The intention of the positivity police is to get along. The intention of one-butt guy is, among other things, to exercise a compulsion. Neither is motivated by maintaining forward momentum. The intention of the Lewis and Clark expedition? Make the best choice possible under conditions of uncertainty, but keep moving. Winter was coming. This concludes Issue 6 of The Two-Butt Rule by John Wolpert and Ashley Waters. If you liked this episode, please like and share it wherever you get your podcasts. And consider taking out a subscription at johnwolpert.substack.com.